0: of something called the Contemporary Testimony. Uh, Our world belongs to God. And it's a document that was first written in the 1980s by the Christian Reformed Church, trying to say, how do we live into and how do we express our faith in this day and age? Many of our documents about our faith are centuries old. And so this document was an attempt to, to put us into our context and things that we bump into and are familiar with. And so this morning, we're going to begin that by by looking at uh, Article 41 out of it together. I'll, I'll read it for us. Joining the mission of God, the church is sent with the gospel of the kingdom to call everyone to know and follow Christ and to proclaim to all the assurance that in the name of Jesus, there is forgiveness of sin and new life for all who repent and believe. The Spirit calls all members to embrace God's mission in their neighborhoods and in the world. To feed the hungry, bring water to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick, and free the prisoner. We repent of leaving this work to a few, for this mission is central to our being. This is the word of the Lord. We are sent. It's a fundamental identity for us. It's, it's who we are as God's people. If you dig through scripture, you begin to see this all the way back in the garden. Remember the beginning of the story. Adam and Eve are created and, and God creates them in his image. And, and he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. This go out from the garden, fill the earth. And, and that was the calling right at the beginning To bear God's image, to to live as God's image bearers here on earth. And and one of those first pieces of being part of God's image is to go out. It's descending. Then the fall happened. Adam and Eve decided not to go out. They weren't fruitful and multiplied. They actually stayed in the center of the garden and took from it instead of taking care of it. They disobey God in all sorts of ways and they bit that forbidden fruit. And yet, in the midst of the fall, if you pay attention to the story, what ends up happening is God does send them out of the garden to do what He originally called them to do. He sends them out into the world. And that sending pattern picks up as God begins that long road of redemption as He, he sends Abraham calls Abraham to follow him and and begins to send Abraham and build a nation out of Abraham. And, And those people are sent to be God's witnesses as a kingdom of priests within the world. And as they fumbled and tripped and fell and failed again and again, God enters the picture by sending his own son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus becomes the perfect Israel and the perfect Abraham and the perfect Adam, the one who fulfills all of what God has been doing all along as he's sent into the world to save us from our sins, to restore us in relationship with God. And as that unfolds, that story unfolds where Jesus dies and rises and as he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit and sends his church. What we're going to talk about today and the next two Sundays is that part of this storyline, the sending of the Holy Spirit and the church as we enter into the mission field, as we sometimes call it, or as we carry out God's mission in the world. I chose this picture because there's an older idea that I think plays in the background of this sending. It was a letter of introduction And that letter of introduction would be written by a a king or a royal figure and they would write and say, this person has my power and authority as they go out and I am sending them with a mission, a, a specific task that I want them to carry out in the world and they have the full support of my offices and they would seal that letter with the royal seal. It was a way of saying, this person person has been marked by me, has been chosen by me, and has been sent out. In many ways, we saw that this morning, as God marked Julian as one of his own, as little as he is, and as young as he is, and as full of smiles as you are. Julian has already been marked as one of Christ's ambassadors, and each of us who have been baptized carry that seal, that baptismal seal on us of God sending us and God sending us out as his witnesses in this world. Just to give us a glimpse of that we are sent, I want to put a few passages in front of us just to bring them to mind. For those of us who have been part of the church, we've heard these passages many times, often at the end of worship. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's this commissioning. In fact, we call this the great commission. God sending his disciples into the world. John's account with it, just after Jesus had been raised from the dead and he appears to his disciples and they're in this locked up room full of fear that they're going to be persecuted. That they're going to be mistreated by the Roman government and the Jewish leaders. And and Jesus says to them as he's in that room, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And that fearful band of men and women who were first encountering Jesus Christ become a bold witness that grows from, from maybe 150 people up to something like 3 million people over the next 200 years in the church. As the church grows and expands throughout the Roman Empire, they were sent. Acts 1.8, this is just before Jesus' ascension again, and it's, it's Luke's telling of what happened. And Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You hear this refrain It comes through in each of those gospel stories and and each of the accounts of that early church that, that the mission Jesus had in this world to go out, to be God's image bearer in the world is being passed along to us that we take God's image into the world. The first part of this testimony, joining the mission of God, the church is sent With the gospel of the kingdom to call everyone to know and follow Christ and to proclaim to all the assurance that in the name of Jesus there is forgiveness of sin and new life for all who repent and believe. Who here feels confident to go out on the street and say that? Anybody? Yeah, a few of us. A lot of us feel nervous about it. If I were to say the E word, you know what the E word is? evangelism. (laughs) How many of us start getting a little queasy and a little nervous? How many of us want to look away and not make eye contact right now? Evangelism, that idea that we are to be people who go out and tell the good news. It's said that this is very part of, of why we are sent, to be a people who are so caught up in this story, so immersed in the grace of God that we can't help but go out and tell others to proclaim the good news that in Jesus Christ our sins are forgiven and that by the Holy Spirit God is remaking the world and there is hope because of that. Folks, we don't have to watch the, the news very long or our Twitter feeds or whatever way, other way we get our news. We don't have to watch very long to know that the world needs hope. Hope. The world needs Jesus. The world needs to hear this good news that there is a God who still loves us, that there is a God who is still at work in the world. There is a God who sees the evil and brokenness and was willing to die to undo it. There is a God who has empowered us by his spirit to live as his people here and now as witnesses to that good news. That in the core of it is what the church is about right there. When we gather as God's people, we are gathered in order to be sent out. We, are, we gather in order to, to remember the good news and to remember the gospel message as we go out into our work and into our schools and into our playgrounds and our sports teams and our recreation and shopping and crafts and everything else that we do during the week. We gather here so that when we are scattered out there, we carry this good news with us that in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. God is redeeming the world because he loves it so deeply, and he is remaking it by his spirit, even in the midst of the brokenness that is there right now. Canons of Dort, another historical document that we don't often read. We don't pay much attention to it, but it's really important. And there are some places that are just absolutely beautiful, and this is one of them. Moreover, it is the promise of the gospel that whoever believes in Christ crucified shall not perish but have eternal life. This promise, together with the command to repent and believe, ought to be announced and declared without differentiation or discrimination to all nations and people to whom God in his good pleasure sends the gospel. That little phrase, declared without differentiation or discrimination, the older translations say, preached promiscuously. You ever thought of that? The gospel is promiscuous. (laughs) Preach the gospel promiscuously, freely, lavishly, all over the place. This is our calling wherever we go. As Pastor Hayden said last week, you kind of get the smell of a wet dog on you and that wet dog smell fills everything. We get the smell of Jesus on us and of God's love and grace in Jesus Christ. And that smell is to carry everything. We go everywhere we go. It continues, the Spirit calls all members to embrace God's mission in their neighborhoods and in the world to feed the hungry, bring water to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick, and free the prisoner. Two things here. The Spirit calls all members. And remember talking with a youth pastor once who was just heartbroken. He said, I just got off the phone with a parent from the church, and the parent was angry Parent was angry because I didn't offer youth group every week this year. It was only every other. And the parent said on the weeks you don't have youth group, my kid sits in the basement and plays Halo all the time. And I can't get him off of it. And it's your fault because you're not offering enough activities at the church. My gut went, oh. What the parent had assumed was that it's only the professional Christians the ones who get paid for it, that can disciple anybody. And now sure, the parent did feel a sense of helplessness and, and needed somebody to walk along with them. I'm not denying that. But the underlying assumption was, I'm not trained to be an evangelist. I'm not trained to carry it out. I haven't had years of seminary training or, or education in order to be able to tell other people about Jesus. In this testimony... What we're saying, we believe. What we're saying, Scripture says, is that every member, all people who have been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, all people who have been called by the Spirit are equipped by the Spirit to go out. You don't need special training. You don't need an advanced degree. In fact, the body of Christ is better when the whole body works together. It's all of us. There's no special status for clergy or domine or priest that somehow they are more sacred and have more gifts. It's a particular gift to call and equip and encourage the body. But the work of the body, the calling, the ministry, the mission of God's people belongs to the whole body. All of us in all our areas of work are called to be God's witnesses, to go out into our neighborhoods and into the whole world. We are those witnesses, each and every one of us. And the second part, this is just beautiful to me that that the way the gospel gets made known in the world, yes, it is by proclaiming it, by preaching it promiscuously, but it is also by living the gospel promiscuously. And this is the calling that we're all given. It's right here to feed the hungry bring water to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick, free the prisoner. It's to come alongside those people who are suffering, those people who are struggling, those people who have been marginalized by society, those people who feel oppressed and depressed, and to come alongside them and say, there is still hope. God loves you, and I'll show you that God loves you by the way I serve you, by the way I pour out his love to you, just as he's poured out his love to me. We become vessels. It's not about knowing all sorts of theology and doctrine. It's about living the gospel in the way we love one another. It's interesting to me that Jesus did the same move. There was a theological argument that broke out as Jesus' ministry began, and it was between Jesus disciples and John the Baptist's disciples. And John the Baptist's disciples came along and said, is Jesus really the Messiah? Or should we be looking for someone else? And Jesus' response to them when they came is this. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to The messengers, John's messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. There is such a weaving together in Jesus' own words and in his own life of what we sometimes say gospel, ministry, and social gospel. Word and deed. And Jesus says you don't separate those two. The reason we know he is the Messiah is because those two things were not separated. They were woven together in him. And we are given that same ministry. Remember, as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending us. To be a people where that gospel ministry of proclaiming is part and parcel with the gospel ministry of living out this care and love for those who are suffering in the world. And the last part. We repent of leaving this work to a few for this mission is central to our being. It's an acknowledgement It's an acknowledgement we need to make week in and week out. When we confess our sins, which we do in each service and we create that space, it's not just saying, Lord, I've sinned in this particular way against this person, but Lord, we as a people have sinned because we have failed to live fully into your mission this week. We've had times where we've turned to our own ways, we've chased after our own desires, and we've not borne witness to your grace. In fact we've been graceless towards others we've been full of judgment towards people around us we've condemned instead of helped we've we've found ways to judge and push away rather than to draw near to those who are suffering and lord we're sorry we know that this mission this mission to love our neighbor as ourself is at the very core of who we are because of your son jesus christ Wes Granenberg Michelson has been very involved in the Reformed Church of America. He's been involved in politics and all sorts of other places in the United States. He wrote this this week: "The great temptation for the church is to remain settled in its comfort zone, doing the same routine. While it may be on the course to a slow death, it can by and it can get by and not feel much pain. But the people of God are never meant to be settled." They are called to join in God's transformational mission in the world, bringing God's intended justice, healing, and reconciliation to a wounded creation. That's who we are, to be a people who are not settled and comfortable in the ways of the world, but a people who are so full of grace and joy and thanksgiving because of what God has done for us that we jump into those places of brokenness in the world in order to serve others and bring God's grace, God's hope, to those who need it. In the coming weeks, we're going to unpack this a little bit more. What, is it, what does it mean to be a people who, who preserve life and treat life as a sacred trust wherever we found, find it? And what does it mean to be a people who, through our occupation, whether going to school, which some of us will be doing soon, or going to our jobs or just living in our neighborhoods, What does it mean to be a people who carry this grace everywhere? So we'll unpack that in the coming weeks. Let's pray. We thank you. We thank you for the incredible way that you have not given up on us. Way back in the garden when Adam and Eve refused to go out, you could have wiped them out and forgotten about this whole image-bearing project of yours. You could have had it so there was no other human being and had creation on your own. But you didn't stop there. You pressed on. And even when we have sinned, Lord, you have continued to press on with your Son and with your Spirit in ways that, that quite frankly, are astounding. Thank you for loving us. Even when we have been faithless in loving you, and faithless in loving others. May you fill us with the joy of being saved, of being full of your grace. May you fill us with the joy of being loved by you that we might go out and love others. May your love flow through us so that others may see, not by our judgments or by our condemnation, but may see by our love that you love them. We pray this so that your kingdom might come and that the whole world might come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Christ Jesus we pray, amen. Invite us to stand and sing together the first three verses of They Will Know We Are Christians by Our Love.